0: From St. Louis Public Radio, this is St. Louis on the Air. When you have tried every single intervention, um, her son intervened, friends intervened, um, neighbors intervened, uh, banks, Western Union, and local law enforcement intervened over a period of more than five years. She said at one point she saw the light go on. I'm Sarah Fetsky.
1: Yesterday, Glenda Syme stood in federal court and faced the judge. Syme had pled guilty to two felony counts for her role in an international scam, sentencing guidelines called for years in prison. But Glenda Syme is no sophisticated criminal. The Kirkwood resident is an 81-year-old mom. She'd fallen for a man on the Internet. She never met the man she calls, quote, my love. But he urged her to assist him in a series of illegal acts. And not only did she agree, she kept helping him time and again. Since 2015, bank employees, local police officers, and federal agents told me that my love was a scam and that I needed to stop or I could go to jail. I didn't listen to anyone else but my love, the love I've never seen nor spoken to. Now I don't have a choice of whom I'll listen to. And that is Glenda Syme. She became the poster child for Money Mules last fall. And after pleading guilty to two felony counts of identity theft, she faced the music in federal court yesterday. And joining us now with more on this story and more on these fraudulent schemes that have ensnared and victimized so many Americans is Tracy Barry. Tracy is the assistant U.S. attorney who prosecuted this case for the Eastern District of Missouri. Tracy, welcome. Thank you. And we're also joined today by Ryan Kroll. He's a St. Louis-based writer whose deep dive into this story appeared in the January 19th issue of the Riverfront Times. Ryan, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Tracy, Glenda Syme was sentenced yesterday. She was facing four years in prison, accused of being a money mule. What exactly did she do?
0: In essence, Ms. Syme became the conduit. For criminal fraud, criminal proceeds, Um, she started out by receiving Western Union money grams that were sent to her. She then took enough to pay the transfers fees and maybe a little bit for herself, and then she passed on that money to other individuals. She then graduated to receiving electronics that her love mailed to her. She took those, pawned them, mailed the proceeds to her love. And this continued over and over again. The scheme became more sophisticated. The amounts of money grew. And the victims ranged from individuals who were romance fraud victims to businesses whose accounts were compromised over the Internet. And Glenda Syme herself, she kind of started out as as
1: one of these victims. She genuinely believed that this man that she had never met was was romantically interested in her, Tracy?
0: She believed that from the beginning to the end. um, She was an individual who was living on a very small pension and Social Security, uh, and she was enticed to send money to help um, the man that she loved. Now, when she ran out of money, she started sending money that he told her were business proceeds. Um, So she continued believing this probably past the time that she was indicted and she was brought before the magistrate judge. At least that's what her attorney told her, Hmm. told the court, I'm sorry.
1: So this is an 81-year-old woman. I think just seeing her face was, was such a sad thing for so many of us who followed this case. I'm sure it gave you no joy to have to prosecute her. Why did it have to come to that?
0: You know, we never get any joy out of prosecuting anyone, whether they're 20, 30, 40, 50, or 80. The problem is, is that when you have tried every single intervention, um, her son intervened, friends intervened, um, neighbors intervened, uh, banks, Western Union, and local law enforcement intervened over a period of more than five years, and she still kept engaging in the fraud. At some point, when you start having other romance victims losing you know, over $100,000 from their own retirement, there's a time where there has to be an escalation of interventions.
1: So, Ryan Kroll, this is such a tragic case, but it's not just Glenda Syme. How rampant have these kind of scams and snaring Americans become?
2: Yeah, I think it depends a little bit on who you ask. Um, I know, but I think the one thing that's certain is that they've become more prevalent um, since the pandemic as people are more isolated, more alone. Um, I know I saw that uh, in 2020, I think the sort of romance scam industry, I guess you could call it, was something like $140 million um, of losses from senior citizens. Uh, And then in like the St. Louis region specifically, I think in the Eastern District of Missouri, the FBI said something like um, 300 complaints a month about these scams um, targeting seniors And I think the average loss was something like $8,000. That would be $2.4 million of losses um, to these romance scams, just kind of in our area per month alone.
1: Tracy, so this is keeping you pretty busy, just trying to stay on top of all these various ways people are are reaching into others' bank accounts.
0: Absolutely. Um, We had indicted an individual... Uh, I believe Ryan discussed her in one of his Riverfront Times um, episodes, and that was Linda Madsen. Um, Linda is a 65-year-old who lives in Ohio who was a victim of a romance fraud that we had prosecuted involving two Nigerian and one um, St. Louis resident, and she turned around after being warned, after saying, oh, no, she would never do this again, um, alluded to Dr. Phil episodes and then turned around and ripped off her family members. And
1: Tracy, so, when you say she alluded to Dr. Phil episodes, like episodes
0: covering this kind of, of fraud, these kind of scams. Exactly. She advised the law enforcement um, official who was working with her um, to, to warn her and get some of her money back. She said, you know, you really need to tell people to watch Dr. Phil. And she provided one of the episodes and said, people need to be aware of this. Wow. I mean, Ryan, hearing this, I mean, it seems
1: like, you know, there, there has been a lot of education on this issue. The word is out. Even the victims of these crimes have seen this. And yet something still gets their hooks into these people. What do you see going on here?
2: Yeah, I think it's folks who are sort of isolated, alone, um, and then they truly fall for these um, folks who they meet online, who they've never met before, but uh, it it sort of probably feels, or maybe it even is like a genuine love. I know Glinda Syme's um, uh, like neighbors or folks who lived with her in her uh, senior living facility Like they said in one of the letters uh, to the judge for her sentencing said uh, that she had like a real glow about her. You know, she it was really like a source of joy in in a way. This guy who was obviously taking advantage of her. Um, So probably. Just something about the power of love is, is being um, used here in, you know, uh, devious ways.
1: Tracy, you mentioned she might have also been getting some small cut of, of these transactions. And I understand that in Glenda's case, this was not the motivating factor. She, she really thought that she was in love with this guy. But do you also see people who are sucked into this because they think there's going to be some huge payday and they really want to just get their hands on that money?
0: absolutely a lot of these individuals who get sucked in in that manner have exhausted all of their resources and they're told you know if you will just send us forty thousand more dollars if you will just send us two hundred more dollars then we can make sure that the money that we promised you before that will get it to you and so they will participate in these schemes because they've been told if you help us um, get. You know, transfer this money. If you participate in our business enterprise, we'll be able to ensure that you get your money back. It's almost like when you're at a casino
1: and you're like, I've bet so much on this. If I can just put down five more dollars, I'll get back everything I lost. The house always wins. <laughs> Ryan, there's <laughs> that's a.
0: The... Sorry, go ahead, Tracy. I was just going to say that's a perfect analogy.
1: So, Ryan, there's another kind of local angle on this beyond the victims, and this is part of what you really got into your um, investigation into this for the Riverfront Times. There were two scam artists who had a whole scheme running out of post office boxes in North St. Louis, North St. Louis County. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So, yeah, there was two fellows in St. Louis, um, uh, Boneman Siba and Ovako Ofikoro, Um who were part of like this very large, you know, scheme or whatever you want to call it, um, with dozens of victims throughout the United States. And then obviously other folks involved, um, who are perpetrating the scheme overseas. But these two guys in St. Louis, basically what they did was they recruited individuals to open two PO boxes in St. Louis. One was in Berkeley kind of by, like uh, Lambert the other one was in the, uh, near North riverfront, uh, neighborhood, um, and then, basically, you know, um, vulnerable seniors would get contacted online, usually by people who claimed to be uh, military personnel stationed overseas. Like they would steal the identity of a of a real U.S. Army general, you know, serving somewhere overseas. Um, and they told the the the, the scam artists they were they used a variety of different stories, but like the common a common one would be something along the lines of. I maybe I'm stationed in Syria. I'm a I'm a general. I helped get these Syrian family to somewhere safe like Canada, and in return they gave me like a a bunch of diamonds or a bunch of cash or just something worth millions of dollars. Um, but I need. But then you know they would tell the vulnerable senior citizen, you know I need your help getting this portfolio of diamonds out of the country to the United States, and if you help me out. Um, I will, you know, split it with you 50-50 or something like that. Um, and then the, so the St. Louis PO boxes come into play because um, if you think you're, you know, dealing with uh, a United States military personnel, you know, sending um, money to Nigeria where a lot of these guys are located, that doesn't make any sense. So what they would they would say would say, well, hey, send it to my secretary who's in Missouri, right? That, it, that just raises less red flags. Um, So there's people sending, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars to these P.O. boxes in St. Louis under the impression that they were sending it to like the secretary of a general or a diplomat or something like that. And ultimately it would lead to some sort of windfall coming their way. It's a little bit convoluted. I think that that's probably as straightforward as I can put it in kind of a short amount of time.
1: And then we have then people living in the St. Louis area and their job is just to harvest the proceeds of this P.O. box.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And it seems like a big part of it is everyone tries to kind of be a little bit removed from the actual money or the P.O. box. So there's the folks overseas who get these guys in St. Louis who get these sort of folks to open the PO box. So there's these two individuals who, who haven't been named, but who actually opened the PO boxes, but they did it at the behest of, of Siba uh, and Kora, Ofic- who, um, Ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, we're probably somewhere in the sort of middle of the, I guess, the organizational flowchart of this of this thing.
1: We're talking today to Ryan Kroll. He's a St. Louis-based writer, has done a deep dive on this issue for the Riverfront Times. We're also joined by Tracy Barry. She's the assistant U.S. attorney who has been prosecuting these cases for the Eastern District of Missouri. That includes the case of Glenda Syme, who went from being a victim to being an accomplice and was sentenced yesterday in federal court. Tracy, thinking about this, this scheme involving the P.O. box, and all the money coming into that. As Ryan explains, there's a lot of layers, and it seems like they kind of worked at covering their tracks a little bit. This seems like something that's enormously complicated for the U.S. Attorney's Office to try to drill down and figure out who's actually behind these scams.
0: It is enormously difficult. It is enormously complicated. Fortunately, members in my office do not do this alone. In fact, it is just fantastic agents with the Postal Inspection Service, the FBI and Secret Service who do the major drilling down. When they have present these cases to us, they have talked to victims. They have uncovered so much of the information that we need to have a successful prosecution. And time and time again, they hear the stories firsthand of these victims and it's just heartbreaking. So this particular,
1: these two post office boxes we're talking uh, that are related to these two guys that that Ryan is referring to, these were set up in 2019. Tracy, do we have a sense of just how much money they were able to funnel through those particular post office boxes before you guys shut down this operation?
0: We estimate it was in excess of a million dollars. What happened is the Postal Inspection Service was able to identify express mail packages that had gone to those post office boxes and then traced it back to the victims. Some victims did not want to participate, did not want to talk to um, investigators. They were ashamed or they continued to believe the fraudsters. Um, And for those individuals, we were not able to ascertain what their losses were. For those that did talk, Um, That's how we came up with the um, losses in excess of a million dollars. Mr. Ofikoro and Mr. Sibe um, are both being, um, will be sentenced later, and they were both Nigerian nationals who were um, lawfully residing in the United States. Um, as a result of, you know, various um, immigration processes. So Tracy, they were here lawfully. Could that
1: status change and they might end up getting deported depending on what happens um, with this sentencing that that is still to come?
0: That is certainly something that could occur. It was discussed at the change of plea hearing. Um, It is set out as a possibility in their plea agreement and they've acknowledged it. Um, So yes, that is definitely a possibility. Um, Earlier, a few years ago, we um, indicted and sentenced Hamed Akande, who actually had participated in the scheme when he was in Nigeria and then was a money mule using his estranged wife's residence um, to engage in the same conduct.
1: And immigration authorities are not catching this when they're vetting these applications. It sounds like some people started in Nigeria and end up here. Is, is there a, a concern that that system is not working the way that it ought?
0: They would have no way of vetting that and catching it. Um, just as we have United States citizens like Miss um, Syme that are engaged in this conduct, you know, it takes a lot to uncover Um, this type of conduct. So it is not something that would come up in the immigration process unless they had been convicted in Nigeria or even charged in Nigeria. And that is um, they do have prosecutions in Nigeria. They do work with the United States government. And I don't want to just say Nigeria because we have these individuals in Saudi Arabia, in Canada, um, all across the globe.
1: So, Ryan, hearing Tracy talk about all this, it, it sounds like authorities are doing everything they can to get a handle on this. And there's a lot of good investigators working on it. It also sounds kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. You know, they get the people behind this, this one post office box. Somebody can just go open another post office box in a matter of weeks.
2: Yeah, totally. And then also just the ease with which, um, you know, maybe an account can get banned on Facebook, but it's very easy to make a new one to start reaching out to folks again. I know um, one victim I talked to who was a 70 year old in Mississippi, um, she sounds like she cooperated with with Tracy's office, you know, wholeheartedly enthusiastically. Um, and we've kind of stayed in touch a little bit in the last few weeks. And she keeps saying, you know, people keep, you know, trying to do this again and again. And, I'm, um, you know, blocking them, sending screenshots to investigators, that sort of thing. But yeah, whack a mole uh, is a good analogy.
1: So we've heard from some listeners um, who have thoughts on this, experience on this. Amy tweets, it's important to note that older adults who live on very fixed incomes and or are living with social isolation and loneliness can be more susceptible to romance scams. That's demonstrated by Glenda Syme's case. We also got an email from Eddie. He writes, quote, I discovered an elderly lady living in the same building as I do. She fell in love with a scam artist who's made her believe he's her ex-boyfriend from high school. This scam artist had her believing he's some big executive. Whenever he needed money, she would send it. Most of the money transfers involved using wire transfers or gift cards. She even bought a couple brand new iPhones for him. Of course, she ended up sending the cell phones to some other address. Here lately, he's been sending her checks to cash. The past several months, she has opened at least two or three different bank accounts. Everyone who knows her has tried to talk sense into her, but she only listens to what her quote-unquote fiancé says. They have never met, never held hands, never gone out on a date, never kissed. One of these days, it's all going to to come to an end she'll get arrested and go to jail the money trail leads to her that is an email from eddie tracy i imagine hearing that email you're just having a sense of deja vu
0: yes um a scary sense of deja vu because like you said this is a game of whack-a-mole a mole i would hope that if eddie um finds the the link with the um, public service announcement that he would share it with his neighbor. Um, You know, do not get discouraged Um, and, you know, just that law enforcement is willing to work with individuals to warn them and to try to get them to stop. Um, It works sometimes. Sometimes a visit from um, a federal agent makes all the difference in the world and what their friends do, what their loved ones do can make a difference. So I just urge people, don't give up on them, don't stop. Tracy, it was
1: interesting hearing how in the scheme that Eddie detailed, this wasn't just some random general. I think a lot of us might be suspicious if a general was suddenly in our Facebook inbox, but you know, sort of a distant person we'd never met. This was somebody masquerading as an ex-boyfriend. Is is that something where you've seen people go to that level of, of getting into somebody's personal
0: uh, life? Absolutely. Um, it's it's an easy thing because so many people, you know, of all ages, you know, I do not want to, to um, just zero in on older adults, but so many people put so much of their lives on the internet. And it is so easy for someone to trace down something. And in a lot of cases, um, individuals will say, Yeah, we met at such and such church and I'm now living in Canada, but I I saw you on Facebook and I thought about you and I just wanted, you know, to reach out to you Mm -hmm. and, you know, they keep feeding and they do not have to give specifics. They can feed enough out there so that individual who is looking for a romantic love, you know, they've got friends, they've got family, that give them those other types of love. But they're looking for that romantic love, and they start spilling and saying, remember when we went deep sea diving and da-da-da-da? And the next thing you know, that lover, that ex-boyfriend starts saying, yeah, I remember. And what was the name of... Mm -hmm. those things happen all the time boy there's just a level of manipulation there that
1: wow and and no wonder this is so hard to combat that brings us back to glenda Syme. this is an example of somebody where the prosecutors tried the police tried everybody kind of tried to wake her up before it was too late ryan you mentioned you'd read these letters that came in before her sentencing i reading those yesterday was just heartbreaking
2: oh totally yeah a lot of people were in in her corner for sure um Yeah. And you you think maybe um, someone who is sort of isolated, lonely, be particularly vulnerable to this. But uh, other folks I talked to, you know, said that they, you know, they had a husband or a boyfriend who was a live in partner and, uh, you know, were working full time jobs and uh, had a good relationship with their kids, you know, seemingly had kind of very full lives who still, um, you know, full social lives who uh, still fell for this. So, yeah, just it's a tough situation. It's a tough thing to know exactly how to combat.
1: Anybody could be susceptible. So Tracy, I couldn't help but notice that even the prosecutor's office came into yesterday's sentencing saying, hey, we know the guidelines are calling for four years. We don't want to see this woman go to prison for four years. Is part of that related to that clip from a video we played earlier? She allowed herself to become the poster child for this in an attempt to warn others.
0: That was it in a nutshell. That was something that the government recommended. Um, There's an area where the court can consider someone who has exhibited extreme remorse, not just that they said, I'm guilty, and not just that they said, I'm guilty early, but has taken extensive steps to demonstrate their remorse. By her making herself the poster child, by her making herself the target to people to trolls she has exhibited extreme remorse um, and so that was a big part of it the other part is the united states probation office has some sterling officers who can supervise her and get her the resources that she needs so that she does not fall prey to this again Mm -hmm. Um, i think that was something that the judge definitely considered he had the probation officer address that issue. He had the um, defense counsel address the issue and he had me address that issue. And so he ended up
1: sentencing her to probation. She will not do any time in prison. And yet, looking at this and the toll that it's had on her life, in many ways, her life has been ruined by this. Um, Tracy, that message, as much as it's a really hard message to hear, a sad message, are you hoping that's what we take from all this?
0: Definitely. Um, definitely. You know, one of the things that struck me was when um, her attorney mentioned how she sat down with Miss Syme and went through each document and went through everything piece by piece by piece over a period of days, weeks. And she said at one point she saw the light go on and she saw Miss Syme realize what she had done, and that she had been swindled. We do not want people to end up having to appear in federal court or in state court to have that light go on. Um, And so hopefully her message will resonate and it will be out there. Well, Tracy Berry,
1: I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And Ryan Kroll, thank you.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: And Ryan's story um, is in the January 19th issue of the Riverfront Times. You can learn so much more about these schemes. That's riverfronttimes.com. We've also retweeted from our at STL on air Twitter account. Uh, there's Oasis Connections is offering a class, the do's and don'ts of online relationships. This might be a good one if you you know a lonely senior or a lonely person of any age who might be susceptible to all this. There are ways to to get help, get people that education. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Sarah Fenske and Evie Hemphill with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio.